Well, if you have your Bibles tonight, I'd like you to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and tonight we're going to be reading three verses out of this chapter. The beginning portion of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 deals with what we refer to sometimes as the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the latter, cha- uh, latter portion of chapter 12 deals with the body of Christ, uh, how, we are, how we are many members but part of one body. And tonight we're going to be re- uh, begin reading in verse 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and verse 12, if you're there, say amen. amen. The Apostle Paul says, for as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. Now skip down to verse 27, if you could, please. And Paul says in verse 27, Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. Now you are the body of Christ, and members in particular. Tonight, I'm going to be ministering a message entitled, The Church, The Body of Christ. The Church, The Body of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you tonight in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you that your presence is in the house, Lord. You are with your people. Lord, you said you will never leave us nor forsake us. And God, we just glory in you tonight, Lord. We glory in what you've done for us at Calvary. And Lord, I ask for your anointing to minister for your strength, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, for your anointing upon us to receive tonight. And Lord, we say it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. When the Apostle Paul used this terminology in this passage that we've read tonight, that term, the body of Christ, I know you may know this, but just in case, of course, Paul was not referring to the physical body, his personal physical body. But in reality, he was talking about the church. The church, even though he does not use that term in this passage, that in reality is what he's referring to, the church. The church literally is the called out ones. The called out ones, the ecclesia of God, the called out ones. That we have been as the church, as the body of Christ, we have been called out of something into something else. We've been called out of sin and called into his righteousness. We've been called out of our failure and into his victory. We've been called out of darkness and into light. Hey, hallelujah. That's the church. I said, that's the church. That's the body of Christ. Get this, with one step of faith, whenever that was, that one fine day in your life, when you first received Jesus Christ in your heart to be your Savior and Lord, with one step of faith, you stepped out of sin and stepped right into righteousness. You stepped out of darkness and stepped right into light. You stepped out of Satan being your father and stepped into God being your father. Hey, hallelujah, you stepped out of hell and stepped into heaven. Hey, there ain't nothing like being a child of God. 
I said, there's nothing like being a child of God. Nothing better on the face of the earth. I am God's child. And so are you if you know Jesus. Nothing like on the face of the earth. I would rather just be God's child bought with the blood of Jesus than anything else in this world. Than anything else in this world. Just rather know Jesus. You know, in this life, on this earth, again, we're so bound by natural limitations. We're bound many times by our feelings and what we can see, even though we're called not to live by sight, but to live by faith. We're bound so many times by those things, but get this, for a child of God, one day, you and I are gonna be walking on streets of gold. One day you and I are going to be living in the, new, in the new Jerusalem that is made of pure gold. So don't worry about it here on earth. God's got it covered. Amen? He's got enough. <laughs> but we're the church. The church is the ecclesia of God, the ones that have been called out. And in this passage, Paul referred to the church as the body of Christ. And that term, the body of Christ, again, doesn't refer to some uh, personal, uh, physical side of Jesus himself, but what it refers to is that you and I, as the church, are Christ's representatives here on earth. Hear me tonight. Not in some, not in, not in the form of a priest like you might think of in, in the Roman Catholic Church. That's unbiblical. But we are Christ's representatives here on earth. In this way, in this way, that the only Jesus that the world will ever see is the Jesus that they see in the church. In the true body of Christ, those that have been bought by the blood of Jesus, that's the only Jesus that the world will ever see. And so in that sense, we are the body of Christ. And Paul would even say along those same lines in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20, you don't have to turn there, but Paul said this, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. Hear that? Now we are God's ambassadors as though God were pleading through us. And for you, don't, don't, I listening and watching, don't get the mistaken idea that that's just talking about the pastor, that that's just talking about the five-fold ministry or the ones that stand in the pulpit. No, no, that's every child of God. You are an ambassador of Jesus. I said, oh, I don't think you heard what I said. My Lord, what a high calling that is. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And Paul said as if God was pleading through us. You know, an ambassador is an authorized representative of a king. The authorized representative of a king or a superior, a president or such like. And today, you are by the blood of Jesus Christ that's on your life, and by your faith in the blood, you are an authorized representative of the King, King Jesus. 
There is no higher calling than that. No higher calling than that. That is greater than tax reform. Just giving Jesus to somebody. Come on now. Giving Jesus to somebody is greater than any legislation they may, they may do in Washington. It's better than anything. Just giving that person Jesus. Giving that person Jesus. And I know that this ministry, this is a media ministry. And I like to think of it in, in, in this way, that this ministry is like one of those B-52 bombers just going into enemy territory. Boom! <laughs> Laying the big bombs on the enemy's camp. Hallelujah! Oh, just soaring into the enemy's camp. Here comes the B-52 of SBN. Oh, coming into the enemy's camp. And dropping the big bombs of the gospel. Hey, hallelujah. Woo! And you are a part of that. I said, and you are a part of that. But even though, just like in physical battle, you need the big bombers to come in, but you do need foot soldiers. You see, there and there are areas in, in, in every one of our lives that each other cannot reach. And even though we're, we are reaching the multitudes through media, your coworker may never listen to SBN. And you need to give them what you got. And you got Jesus. Your family member, I said your family member may never listen to SBN. But you got what they need, and, you, and they need Jesus, and that's what you got. You got Jesus. You've got a testimony of what the blood has done in your life. Give them Jesus. It's the greatest thing you could ever do for that person. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's the greatest thing you could ever do for that person. And Paul talked about this body of Christ, and, and it's not the body of Christ. It's not some organization. It's not like some man-made structure or man-made organization or association. It's nothing like that at all. The body of Christ it cannot be limited. It's not, it can't be limited by man-made organizations or associations. In other words, the body of Christ is bigger than the assemblies of God. It's much bigger than any organization of the face of the earth. It's not bound by those things. It's not bound by the church of God. It's not confined to the Pentecostal holiness or the UPC. It's not like that. It's not bound. It's not like uh, uh, the Southern Baptists or the American Baptists or the Nazarenes or the Foursquare or even the independent churches. It's not confined like that. No, no, no. The body of Christ is much bigger than any of those man-made organizations. And even to put it into some perspective, even for us here, for those that support this ministry, praise God you support this ministry. But of course, the body of Christ is not confined by this ministry. It's much bigger. With all respect, it's much bigger than who we are. And I don't mean this statement to sound ecumenical because it's not. But God has his people everywhere. 
And what do you mean by ecumenical? Ecumenical in the, in the sense that, in the sense that, well, we're all, we're all following the same God. And we all just need to come together and just focus on God or focus on Jesus. And everybody loves Jesus, you know. Even the Muslims love Jesus. Baloney. No, we don't all serve the same God. And Allah is not God. And Joseph Smith is not of God. Right? And Mary Baker Eddy is not of God. Or none of those things are of God. Only Jesus came from God. He's the only begotten of the Father. Jesus. Jesus. And you become a part of the body of Christ. It's been referred to sometimes as the mystical, uh, universal body of Christ. But you become a part of that by faith alone. And I'm getting ahead of myself somewhat. But the, the body of Christ can be viewed as that, it's referred to sometimes as the mystical, universal body of Christ. And what does that mean? It means that, again, God's not bound by the, by the limitations that we put on him. God's not bound by those things, those organizational boundaries that we put on him sometimes. God's not bound by those things. God's much, much bigger than you and I could ever imagine. And the body of Christ those that have been bought by the blood of Jesus, they are around the world. God has his people everywhere. Well, what do you mean by that? Are you meaning that, well, is that ecumenical? Absolutely no, it's not some ecumenical garbage. But God has people who are bought by the blood of Jesus everywhere. In China, in the Far East, in Europe, in Africa, in South America, Central America, North America, God has his people everywhere. Amen. And how is it that you become a part of the body of Christ? How is it that you become a part of the true, the true church? Well, you become a part of the body of Christ by simple faith alone in what Jesus accomplished for us at Calvary. It has nothing to do with joining a church as wonderful as that may be, it has nothing to do with putting money in the tithe, in, in, the, in the, uh, the tithe play. It has nothing to do with that at all. It has nothing to do with the works that we do, even the good works or even the, the stupid works that we do. The ritualistic religious things that we can do sometimes that are just, just a, but they're just stupid. Some of the things that we do have nothing to do with being a part of the body of Christ. Nothing at all. Nothing to do with I shook the pastor's hand. Big deal. Well, I go to church two times a year, Christmas and Easter. I'm a part of the body of Christ. You know, I, I don't mean this to be rude, but no, you're not. That does not make you a part of the body of Christ. Well, I support I do this, I support this, and I put so much money into. No. There's only one thing that makes you a part of the body of Christ. <laughs> and that's great. Grace through faith alone. And who Jesus is and what he accomplished for you at Calvary. It is by grace through faith. 
It is not of works, lest any man should boast. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Oh, you should know that verse by heart. It is by grace through faith. Amen. It's not of works. It's not the things that we do. It is by faith alone in who Jesus is and what he accomplished for us at Calvary. And I know this is real basic one-on-one kind of stuff right now, but who is Jesus? Who is he? He is not Muhammad, right? He's not a prophet like Muhammad. He's not just a prophet like uh, 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 Confucius or whatever, some other false god. He's not just a prophet, even though he is a prophet. He's more than a prophet. Who is Jesus? He's the only begotten Son of God. He's the only begotten Son of God. In other words, that means that there is none like Jesus. I said there is nobody like Jesus. Nobody. Oh, I know that sometimes they put us, they put true Christianity in the realm of all other religions, but it's not a religion, it's a relationship. Through the true Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God in the, was God in the flesh. John chapter 1 and verse 14. And the Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us. Mm. He dwelt among us in the flesh. And we, John 1, verse 17, and we beheld his glory, the glory as, the, as of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. We beheld him. He's God in the flesh, 100% God, 100% man. That's Jesus. He's not Michael the archangel. He's not a created being. He's not the cousin or brother of Satan, as some would like to say. He's not that at all. No, he's the only son of God. And he was the only one qualified to save us from our sins. Nobody else was qualified. See, what God did because he knew that we had, of course, a sin problem. God knew that. And because of the sin problem of humanity, God sent his son in the flesh. God in the flesh to do what man could not do. And that was to keep the law perfectly. Whereas the first Adam failed, the last Adam did not fail. And Jesus was the last Adam. He did what man could not do and what man could never do. And that was to meet all the requirements of God. And Jesus met all of them perfectly. And on that day 2,000 years ago, when he hung on that cross for humanity, in John chapter 19 and verse 30, one of the most powerful verses in all the Bible, John 19 and verse 30, he said, it is finished. Amen. Hallelujah. It is finished. Amen. What does that mean it is finished? It means that the sin debt had been paid. It meant that what man could not do, Jesus did it, and he did it all. Oh, hallelujah. He did it all. It is finished. It is finished. He didn't say it's partially finished. He didn't say I am finished. Because the cross was not a place of defeat. That is for Jesus. It was a place of defeat for Satan and for sin. 
And for every power of the enemy, that's where it was a place of defeat. But for Jesus, it was the place of victory. It is finished. And not only for Jesus, but for all those who believe in him. See, the cross is a place of victory for Jesus, but because you believe in him, by faith you have, made, you have been, by his spirit, you've been made one with him, so it was the place of victory for you. For you. Take it personally. Hallelujah. I said take that personally. It was the place of victory for you. For you. For every one of us. It is finished. It is finished. That's victory. Jesus at the cross, he bore our sin. Isaiah 53, one through five tells us, he bore our sin, he bore our sicknesses, our illnesses, he took it upon himself, and he crushed its authority. Jesus did not take those things upon himself as the victim. He took those things upon himself as the victor. And he conquered it. And he crushed it. Hallelujah. You need to know tonight, you need to know tonight, those of you in the house and those watching and listening, you need to know that whatever sin that you might be struggling with right now, whatever issue that may be in your life, Jesus Christ himself on your behalf crushed it at the cross. The answer is in what Jesus Christ did at Calvary. That is the answer. It is finished. And he finished it for me. Whatever issue you may be going through, whatever the problem, whatever bondage, whatever uh, that bondage of sin might be there, Jesus Christ defeated it at Calvary on our behalf. And the way that you and I or anybody enters into the body of Christ, the true church, is by faith in his sacrifice. Faith alone in his sacrifice. The devil hates grace through faith alone in the sacrifice of Jesus. Brother Donnie ministered so powerfully this morning. The devil hates that message. I said the devil hates that message. Grace through faith alone in the sacrifice of Christ. The devil hates it because it's the only truth that will set the captive free. We are not set free by anything else except grace through faith in the finished work of Calvary. Mm. It's by faith alone. You know, one of the awesome things about the body of Christ is that in the true body of Christ, and as I alluded to earlier, there is no boundaries. And, but one of the awesome things is that there is no color lines in the true body of Christ. There is no, uh, of course, denominational lines as well. But I remember as, as I was preparing for tonight's message, I, my mind went back to the Azusa Street Revival and reading works by Frank Bartleman. You might have heard him, of him before. Frank Barnuman was a journalist, but he was a first-hand witness of the Azusa Street Revival. And one of the things he said about that great move of God in Los Angeles from 1906 to 1909 was he said this. He said, the color line was washed away by the blood. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> the color line was washed away by the blood of Jesus. 
away. It was washed away by the blood of Jesus. Well, why do you get excited about that? Because I'm so sick of racism. I'm tired of racism. I'm sick of racism, not just in the world, but within, even within the church. That high-mindedness that some can have about themselves. Oh, no, 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 no. The color line is washed away with the blood of Jesus. And in that Azusa Street revival, in that great revival, it was a perfect picture of the true church. You had black sitting next to whites. Oh, no, oh, no, no. Don't do that. But the blood of Jesus says, yes, do that. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit says, yes, do that. You had Hispanics next to Asians. You had the uneducated sitting next to the educated. You had those who were newly saved just coming out of, out of drugs or prostitution or a, 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 just the severe bondages of sin, newly saved coming out of that, rough around the edges, sitting right next to one who had been saved for 30, 40, 50 years. That's, that's the true church. That's the body of Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the church. That's the body of Christ. Hey. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and may it be more right here. It's only happening now, but let it increase. God, let it increase. Let it increase. So those of you at Family Worship Center right now, and here, you're, you've been here, members here for a while. Get ready. Get ready to sit, to sit next to somebody that's brand new, you haven't seen before. Hallelujah. And when they sit next to you, don't look at them with like, who are you? Don't look at them, uh, what are you doing here? No, let me give you a big hug. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, they'll, well they'll, they'll think we're crazy if we love on them too much. Oh, just who cares? Love on them. Give them the love of Jesus. Praise the Lord. When Paul wrote this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he wrote it with two purposes in mind, that the, the latter part of this chapter, that is. Main, two main purposes. The first purpose was that just like the human body is one and it has many individual members that make up that one, so it is in the body of Christ. Let me say that again. One of the main purposes of Paul writing what he did in the latter part of chapter 12, and we did not read all the verses for the sake of time, but one of the purposes behind him writing it was for us as the church the body of Christ believers, for us to realize that just like the human body has many members, but it is one body, so it is with the body of Christ, Amen. with the church. That we as the body of Christ, the church, even though we are one in Christ, even though we are in unity, we are one in Christ, we are many 
members, as Paul would say, just like the human body. And Paul would say, and you can, if you can turn there and you have it st- still open, in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 17, Paul would say, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? In other words, that would be one more strange-looking body if it was a, a big eye. <laughs> or if it was not just a big eye, but a whole bunch of little eyes. And I wonder sometimes if the world doesn't look at the church in that way, like, whoa, I don't. Anyway, but you understand that even though we're one body, we are many members. And get this, every one of those members is important. Some, but some are feet, using that uh, typology, using that figure of speech that Paul did in this passage. That we are the hands and the feet of Jesus on this earth. Again, the way that they see Jesus is through his body, through his church. Get that? By preaching the gospel and by living the gospel. But we are the hands and the feet of Jesus, but all of us are different. We're not all the same part. And Paul would make that point. Some are hands, some are feet, some are eyes, some are noses, some, and the list goes on. But we're all different. You can turn to your neighbor and say, you know, you're different. See, some of you have been waiting for a while to say that. (laughs) But we're different. But hear me tonight. I don't mean to make light of that, but there is diversity in the true body of Christ. But that diversity does not make us weak, it makes us strong. Because if the body of Christ, if every individual member does their part, I said, if every individual member does what God has called them to do, and the function is God has called them to function, then the body will function as it ought to. You see, the, the, the diversity in the body makes us strong. It doesn't make us weak. It's division that makes us weak. Division that makes us weak in the body. When you have some that are not looking to Jesus, that brings weakness in the body of Christ. And that is the main reason why there is weakness in the true body of Christ today or in the church as a whole, because many are not looking to Christ. And it weakens the work of God. The second thing, the second purpose that Paul wrote, why Paul wrote these words was in this way. That just like every part of the human body is important, so it is in the body of Christ. And he would make that analogy going through the scriptures, and I encourage you to read this passage at home. But just like every part of the human body is important, so it is with the body of Christ. That every single member of the body of Christ is important. And that's that's not just some nice words. That's the truth. That's the truth. Every single part of the body, every single member of the church is important. There is not one part that's not important. That's not significant. That is not of great value in the kingdom of God. And Paul would make these points in this passage. And with those two purposes in mind, Paul would deal with two other things in this passage. 
And it's the, mind, it's the two primary, the two main mindsets that we can have towards each other in the body. Again, the, the, the two main mindsets that we can have towards each other in the body. And I'd like you to turn, if you're not already there, but in 1 Corinthians 12, again, verse five, uh, verses 15 and 16. And the first mindset that we can have toward other members of the body is written in these verses, and it says, if the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I am not of the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? That first mindset, the first attitude, that belief system that we can have, believers in general, even like us here, can have towards each other is this attitude that I am inferior and I am, a, I, and I am of no value in the body. Uh, that I am inferior to the other parts of the body and I really, I really don't matter. Paul would say, and again in verse 15, if the foot shall say, because I am not of the hand, I am not of the body. What, what, if, the, if, the, if the body could talk, would it say that? Absolutely no. But sometimes what we can do in the body of Christ is we can have that attitude. Because I am not like so-and-so, I'm not very important, not very, not very significant. I'm of no value. I'm inferior. And Paul would bring out this mentality that many times in the church, in the church, we can have that mentality. Maybe even some of you right here tonight, you've got that in your spirit. That you're of no, you're, you're of no value. You're inferior to everybody else, and you're just not of really any significance at all. That is a lie from the pit of hell. The second mindset that Paul would deal with is in verse 21 and 22, and I'm closing, the musicians can come back. And Paul would say, the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. You see, in the flip side of the inferior mindset is that mindset of superiority. There is the inferior mindset of, oh, poor little old me, I don't matter at all. I'm not significant because I'm not like so-and-so. And what that is in reality is us comparing ourselves with others. You're a hand, you're, it's like you're a hand, but you're saying, well, I want to be an eye. Everybody loves eyes. <laughs> Who loves hands, for crying out loud? I'm sick and tired. I don't want to be a hand. Have you ever thought like that before? Maybe not using those words. <laughs> but you have thought, you have thought, well, if I could only be like so-and-so, that it's a lie from the pit of hell. Yeah. And in the flip side, there are those that would say, well, you know what? <laughs> I'm an eye, and everybody needs to be an eye like me. Because if you ain't an eye, you ain't got it going on. Let me, tell, let me tell all you hands and feet, if you really want to have a connection with God, you need to be an eye. You need to be like me. And that's that mindset of superiority in the church. It's either inferior, oh, I don't matter. I wish I was like 
or that mindset of superiority of y'all need to be like me. And both are lies. Both are lies from the enemy. In reality, that, that mindset is comparing each other with each other. And Paul would say, you're not wise, you're foolish. At the end of, at the end of this chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 31, Paul would describe the way that we are to view each other. And I don't have the time to really get into this. But he would say those words, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And he would go right into 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in dealing with the love of God. And summarizing it, the way that you and I are to view each other and view ourselves is through the eyes of God's love. Hear me tonight. To the eyes of God's love, and I have to, do it, I have to say this quickly, but the cross is the, lo- is the love of God. When you look at the cross, you're seeing God's love for you individually. God doesn't have just one big blanket of love that he just loves. It's, you know, it's a universal characteristic of God, and God just loves everyone. He does love everyone, but he loves you in particular. You are his child if you believe in him, if you trust in him. You are his child. You are loved. And how did God love you at the cross? He loved you when you were not lovable. He loved you when you were a sinner. He loved you when you were in the kingdom of darkness. And you know what? Every one of us are in the same boat without Jesus. Amen. And the eye, what, I'm, what I mean by viewing each other through the eyes of God's love is viewing each other through the eyes of the cross. That who am I? Who in the world do I think I am to treat so-and-so, my brother and sister in Christ, or anybody in this world, anybody, again, with an attitude of inferiority or superiority. I am a child of God. Hallelujah. And as Paul would say in this passage, he said that we are one in Christ. Today you were, I don't have the time again to deal with it, but you today, through the blood of Jesus, through his love for you, that he manifested for you at Calvary, and because of your faith in that love for you, You are not superior, you are not inferior. You are one in Christ. And the preacher is not your elder brother. Jesus is your elder brother. In last April, uh, I ministered in Rochester, New York and had one of the greatest meetings I ever had. It was about a year ago. And, And as I was coming back, I was in the Rochester airport just looking through the bookstore there, and I came across this book that just caught my attention. It's entitled, Instructions for American Servicemen in France During World War II. And in, or prior to the American servicemen, the Amer- America invading France in June of, June of 1944, they were, invading, they were invading France, really not, really, well, to deliver France from Germany. But prior to that, they sent out this little booklet, and this is just a copy of it, but I read the first page, I was blown away. And they gave this to each one of the soldiers in preparation for them going into France. And this is how it begins, and I wanted to read it tonight because it it has perfect relevance for us here right now and what's going on. He said, It was said to the American soldiers, again in preparation to go into France, he said, you are about to play a personal part 
in pushing the Germans out of France. Whatever part you take, rifleman, hospital orderly, mechanic, pilot, clerk, gunner, truck driver, you will be an essential factor in a great effort which will have two results. First, France will be liberated from the Nazi mob and the Allied armies will be much nearer to victory. And second, the enemy will be deprived of coal, steel, manpower, machinery, food, bases, seacoast, and a long list of other essentials which have enabled him to carry on the war at the expense of France. But I want to read that first part again. He said, you were about to play a personal part in pushing the Germans out of France. And whatever part you take, rifleman, hospital orderly, mechanic, pilot, clerk, gunner, truck driver, you will be an essential factor in a great effort. Today, for those here, and those of you watching and listening by television or by radio, you are an essential factor in the great work that God's doing. I said you are an essential factor in the great work that God is doing. You are not inferior, superior, forget all that stuff. Keep your eyes on Jesus. There is one thing that the whole body needs to do. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. Stand to your feet if you would, please. You see, it's division that weakens the body. It weakens the body corporately, but it also weakens you individually. When you get your eyes off of Jesus Christ, when your faith is not resting in him and what he accomplished for you at Calvary, that weakens you, that weakens your walk with God. But when you get your eyes on Jesus, Hebrews 12 and verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, that's where strength, that's where the power of the Holy Ghost comes from. By your faith, by your dependence, and his work on your behalf. And tonight, I don't know where you are in your walk with God, but tonight you may be like that one that just needs to come back, needs to come back to Jesus. You may be like that prodigal son or daughter, you just need to come back. And you may, you may be like that foot soldier that you just need to be strengthened in the fight. I said, you need to be strengthened in the fight. What is it? God knows and he loves us tonight. Father, tonight in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And I just ask that God, your word would take root in our hearts and lives. That we would look to you, Jesus. Keep our eyes upon you and your finished work, Lord. God, we say it all in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen.